You're listening to Coaching for Leaders. This is episode number 69. This week's topic, how to get it all done, even in the midst of chaos. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings from the Innovate Learning Studio in Ladera Ranch, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. This is a weekly show for leaders who want to improve themselves to better engage and develop others. This week's topic is how to get it all done, even in the midst of chaos. Well, welcome back for another episode of Coaching for Leaders. It is the holiday season, and the topic today might seem a bit odd going into the last few weeks of the year here and the holidays and time off and vacation for many people in our listening community. And yet, how to get it all done even in the midst of chaos is a topic that is going to rear its head again coming up here in the next couple of weeks or days, depending on when you're listening to this, because it is the time of year that many of us start to sit down at some point in the next week or coming days and think about what is important to us in the next year. What goals are we going to set, whether we're going to write them down or whether we're going to at least do some thinking about them or maybe even do the uh, New Year's resolutions, as some people call them. But whatever it is that each of us does to prepare for a new year at a very natural transition point, one of the challenges that I constantly hear from from my clients, from uh, people that I am related to and in my family is, how do we get it all done in the midst of so much going on around all of us? And this is something that all of us struggle with. And in fact, I uh, received an email from a listener a couple, about a month or two ago, and I haven't had a chance to uh, really focus an episode on this yet, but I wanted to address this today. And uh, the listener's name is Jennifer, who had written me and said, my personal struggle is being held accountable for things being completed when the reason that they aren't completed is because there's just too much on my plate. And this is something that many of us struggle with in organizations. And so in this week's episode, I wanted to look at this in some detail. How do we get it all done? How do we prioritize things well? And how do we communicate with stakeholders and other people in our organization, not only the people that we lead, but also the people that lead us so that we are getting recognized for focusing on the work that's most important. Now, you the goal here, of course, is not just to necessarily get recognized for that, but to actually be focusing on the things that are most important. Uh, and if you are, you are able to influence the organization more effectively. We're all able to influence our teams more effectively, and that's something that for all of us should be an important priority. So the first recommendation that I have, if we want to get it all done, and how do we do that with so much going around around us, is to figure out what are the things that we can do and only we can do exclusively. And particularly for those of us who are in leadership roles and have teams of people that we're managing, 
we need to spend time figuring out what's the most important utilization of our time. And here's an example from something that I ran into a couple of years ago. Uh, if you've listened to the show for some time, you know I've been I've done some work with the Dale Carnegie organization over the years and teaching classes and working with local universities and working with clients. And one of the things that we have uh, done over the years is done a lot of um, programs and client relationships that ran that have run through tuition reimbursement programs. And so what that means is that uh, someone in our organization has often needed to coordinate with clients on going through tuition reimbursement process and filling out paperwork and policies and procedures. And for many, many years in those relationships, uh, I was one of the folks that had set all that up. And so what I would do is I would put it on as a priority for myself to manage that whole process to connect with participants that we were working with in classes or we were coaching and kind of walk through that whole process and do all that paperwork and walk through people with that step-by-step. And at some point, I realized how much time that I was spending doing that and how it really was not a good utilization of my time and talents and the value that I could bring to our clients and the people that I was serving. And so I had to, at at some point, step back and really look and examine the amount of time I was doing spending on this. And it wasn't because I didn't have other resources. In fact, there was an entire administrative team I could delegate a lot of that work to. But I had gotten in the habit of uh, doing all of that work, that much of which was administrative, for a couple of big reasons. The first reason was I didn't want to invest the time that I knew it was going to take to teach someone else how to do it. And and if I think about many of the clients that I've worked with over the years, I, I think so many of us struggle with this. There are things that we're doing in our roles as leaders that we've done for a long time for whatever reason, either we picked it up initially or just we had an area of expertise in something. And uh, and as a result, we've developed an expertise with it. And the time that it would take to train someone else how to do it or to coach someone else on it uh, is so daunting that we just keep doing it ourselves. The problem and the fallacy behind this, of course, is that long-term, we end up spending a lot more time trying to do this work and keep all the balls up in the air than we would if we made a short-term investment, uh, an intense short-term investment to train someone else on how to do this. And that's something I absolutely struggled with was the time obstacle it was going to take to do that. But the second thing that I struggled with, and I didn't realize this at the time, uh, but I now realize is I wanted it done right. I didn't think anyone else could do as good a job as I was doing with it. And even if someone else could do it 95%, I knew I was going to do it 100%. And so I was the one who needed to keep doing the work. And that is something that I've learned will be extremely detrimental to me as a leader of having that belief system that I'm the only one that can do a whole bunch of different things. Uh, It is true that there are things that each of us in our unique talents and capacities, uh, can only do uh, exclusively or or only should do because of our t- our particular talents in some areas. But it's not true for everything. So we need to really look as leaders of where we are spending 
our time and our talents and figure out what what is really the things that only we can do exclusively and what are the things that maybe someone else could do. So here's my advice for how to approach this is to pull out your calendar, whatever you use, whether you use a digital calendar or use a paper calendar, pull out your calendar and turn to the last week that was a really busy week for you. So whatever that last week was, maybe it's this week, maybe it was last week, maybe it was a month ago, whatever week that you were working crazy hours and you just felt like you were keeping your head above water, that's the week to look at. And as you look at the calendar, look at that last, that that full week and examine each, what you spent your time doing each of those days and maybe even the hours during those days. And take a look and ask yourself, truly, is this something that I could teach someone else to do? The three hours I spent doing this on this particular day, could I teach someone else on my team how to do that? Could I help develop them on that skill? Don't worry about how much time it would take yet. Just ask yourself, is this something someone else could do? Now, if you're, in, if you're doing your work effectively as a leader, there should be things in your week that you would not delegate to anyone else. There should be things that are important for you to put your time and energy in. I know when I look at my calendar every week, there are absolutely meetings and client relationships that I should be the person there. Yes, I could physically hand it off to someone else, but if I did, I would miss significant things. I would, I would, uh, it would be very difficult to continue relationships that I've built over the years. And ultimately, it would be detrimental to all parties. So those are those are interactions I need to be at. Those are things that I exclusively should be doing as a leader and should be involved with. But I also know when I look at my calendar that there are things that other people could do and, in fact, might even do better. If I really think about it, they might be able to do more effectively than I can. And so my challenge for each one of us is to pull out that calendar, look at that last full week. Now that we have some distance with it, so if it's been a week ago or two weeks or three weeks ago, we can look at it a little bit more objectively. And do you think no one could do as good a job as you? Because I know I've struggled with this a lot is thinking, oh, only I can do this job this well. I'd really challenge all of us to examine that question on each one of the things that we do. And I bet that if we do that, we will find things that we could teach someone else how to do. And then it's just a matter of identifying who that person is, of scheduling the time for that training or coaching to happen. And does that take an investment up front? Absolutely it does. In the long run, though, it will save us so much time and it helps us in the focus on things that will be more beneficial to us and by the way we're developing other people while we're doing it. So figure out what you need to do exclusively and start to develop other people that can do those things that you don't have to specifically be involved in. Now the other advice that I'd have for Jennifer here is have defined outcomes on a specific time frame. And this becomes really important uh, not certainly with the people we lead, but even more so from the standpoint of the people who are leading us that we're reporting to, is it's it's an important time of the year, this being just about the front end of the year here, when many organizations are defining their year beginning goals, where managers and leaders are sitting down and having conversations about what the priorities are going to be this year. So this is the time that all of us, regardless of who we report to, and even if you're a CEO, you are reporting to 
uh, a board of directors. So we all need to contract with whoever our leader is on what outcomes are most important for this year or the next six months or whatever time frame that your organization typically is shooting for. And keep in mind that we can't hit targets that we don't have. There's no way for someone at the end of that review period or that year to be able to assess us if those targets aren't there. So if your organization does a great job of setting out these outcomes and timeframes, great, by all means, uh, spend time investing in that. And, and if you're a part of an organization that doesn't do that, it doesn't mean that you can't still as a leader make a decision to do that for yourself and your team and to make it a priority to have that conversation with the person that leads you. And my advice would be to keep these priorities simple and easily trackable. You know, we've talked about in this show before the system smart, um, you know, setting goals that are specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and have a time component to it. So that's a good framework to start from. Uh, If you want to know more about smart goal setting, go back and listen to episode number 15 of this show. So you can get there, coachingforleaders.com forward slash 15, and I'll have a link in the show notes as well. But the thing is, is that you want to keep those priorities simple and easily trackable because that way you know where you are throughout that process. So you know three months from now, six months from now, where you are along the way. Uh, The challenge that a lot of us have is we set so many goals that we just lose track of them and we become a deer in headlights after a while. And that's something that I've struggled with over the years too, is just doing too much planning, over planning, setting too many goals, setting pages and pages of goals. And sometimes it's a lot simpler just to have those five, six, seven, eight, ten goals that we can easily track. We can look at on the dashboard every week and say, okay, this is where I want to spend time and I want my organization to spend time. And the key piece of this is contracting with whoever's leading you on that. So it's not just setting our goals in isolation. It's talking to stakeholders. And again, if you're the CEO, it's talking with your board of directors. If you are the president of your organization, you don't report to anyone else other than your customers. It's contracting maybe even with your customers, with your team, with colleagues in the industry and finding out, you know, what are the most important goals that you should be focusing on uh, with partner organizations. So there's a lot of different ways to look at that. The key is, is think of who your stakeholders are. What is it that they need to know? Who needs buy-in on that? And the reason for that is because at some point during that process, things are going to change. And so whoever it is that's going to Uh, be holding you accountable for your results, that person needs to be in the loop up front because they're going to be the person that you're ultimately going to need to recontract with when things change. And that's one of the things Jennifer asked in her question here is that, you know, how do I, I, my struggle is being held accountable when I'm just have too much on my plate. So we're going to get to that in a minute here because that's a key piece of this. Now, of course, one of the biggest things that we all can do to get it all done in the midst of chaos, is to do really quality work. This might sound counterintuitive because when chaos is happening, a lot of times our default setting for many of us is to get more quantity of work done. Just try and, you know, do the minimum we need to do and then get it more quantity done. The the opportunity, though, is to step back and to do more quality work. So here's what I mean by quality is to figure out what metrics are important to your organization, the people that are leading you, and how you can meet or 
hopefully exceed those metrics. Because if you can do that, then that demonstrates to the organization that you are someone that says you're going to do what you're going to do, but also that you're going to be able to do it well. And then you develop a brand and trust as someone who does quality work, delivers for the organization, and you have more flexibility then and more say-so into how you do work and the type of accountability that people hold to you. And so now this is something that I have heard from clients over the years that uh, many of us struggle with because I'll have people say to me, well, you know, I just don't get clear metrics from my my leadership. And this is a real obstacle. Uh, I unfortunately have run into many situations where leaders are very unclear as to what the metrics are that people are going to be evaluated on. So this is a place where when you're contracting with whoever's leading you, um, to have some conversation around is to talk about wh- how am how am I going to be measured? What types of things am I going to be evaluated on in the end of the review period? Um, not just for the purpose of the performance review, but you know, in your mind, how are you going to know that I did a good job? Now, if you don't get a clear answer to that question, one of the questions you can steal this question, which is something that I always ask people when I go into organizations and we're working with them or teams of, teams of their people, is I'll ask them, how are you evaluated? So this is something you could even ask your boss or, or leader, and you can ask this in a, in a nice way of just being curious about, you know, how are you evaluated at the end of the year? What types of metrics is the organization looking at from your perspective? And I, I guarantee in, in almost every situation, I've had someone, uh, you know, I've had people come back to me with usually a, a pretty good, clear picture of how they're going to be evaluated. They may not know how to evaluate you or your team or people you know uh, who are in their organization, but they they do know how they're going to be evaluated because that's something that is top of mind for them. And so, if you can find a way to ask that question of how are you going to be evaluated, what types of res- metrics are you looking for, and then you know the answer to that question, then you can work backwards and say, okay, I know that my manager is going to be evaluated on this particular area. This is what they're looking at in their. Uh, how how their management is going to be evaluated and what they're doing. So here's how I can support that. And if you can support them being evaluated effectively, then that is something that speaks to you doing quality work and earning trust. Because your track record is everything. Your track record is absolutely everything. You want to be able to do quality work. It's not enough just to be able to knock things off a task list. If you're doing things that are going to really help the organization be successful, and connect with customers, and to uh, do whatever it is that your organization is trying to do to make a difference in the world, then that's huge. And you're going to be the kind of person that is going to be considered for future opportunities and future advanced leadership opportunities. And you know, just as an example of what not to do, uh, very early in my career, I had uh, wanted to uh, you know, I was working full-time for an organization in the education industry, and I wanted to go off and to start my first business. And so I was going to do some coaching and uh, yeah, some things a little similar to what I'm doing now, but you know, I didn't really have a super defined plan around it, but I knew that I needed time because I was working full-time and I just didn't have enough hours in the week to do it. And so uh, at some point, I uh, had figured, I'd found out that there was a couple other people in the organization that had gotten 
waivers or exceptions to work like a, uh, you know, a three quarters time schedule or half time schedule for family commitments or other things. And so uh, at some point I approached one of our senior leaders in the organization and uh, we had a conversation and I said, you know, here's what I'd like to do. I, I'm planning to start this business. Uh, you know, I, I, I want to keep working here. I obviously, you know, the income is really important. The, the, the skills I'm gaining here are really important. I want to continue my career, but I'd really like to do this. And so I'm looking at some different options. Would there be the possibility for me to work a four day week and to take a salary reduction for it? And, you know, and I was perfectly willing to take a salary reduction. So it was, you know, not like I was asking them just to have a free day by any means. And uh, I remember uh, the person that I spoke with at the time uh, was was very gracious and she spent some time, you know, giving me an example. And she said, you know, uh, she gave me an example of someone they had made an exception for. She said, the, the particular person we've made an exception for, um, here's the situation with them. They've been with our organization a long time. It was a lot longer than I had been with them at the time. Uh, and she said, you know, they have been an, a leader in every single capacity as far as performance in our organization. And so we've made a decision to make an exception in that case. And she was very gracious how she said it. But what she was really saying is your track record, Dave, doesn't <laughs> support us making an exception for you. And the message was delivered pretty strongly to me in my mind, even though she said it very graciously, is I realized after that meeting that um, and I did not, I did not get that uh, that opportunity. Um, I realized that my track record was everything. My track record was okay at the time, but it wasn't long enough, and it wasn't impressive enough where the organization was willing to meet me halfway on something. And so that's why I say for all of us, our track record is everything. My track record's a lot better now in my career than it than it was when I first started off. And now I have a lot more options. Same thing for each one of us. When there's a lot on our plates, when there's a lot of things that we need to do, we get a lot more options and we get a lot more flexibility from our organizations when we have a strong track record. So how's your track record these days? Is it strong? Is it good? If it is, great. If it's not, that's the place to start first is to build that strong track record and then uh, you have more choices of how you're able to get things done. Now, here's where the rubber really hits the road and really gets to the essence of Jennifer's question here is how do I, what's the way to complete things and, and still be not being held accountable when there's too much on my plate? Uh, the, the biggest thing that we can do is when we are being presented challenges with the amount and the scope of work that's in front of us is to come to the table with solutions. So what I always coach my clients on doing is that when they find themselves in this situation where the organization or their leaders or customers or whoever has literally made requests that are impossible for them or their organization to complete, as in, you know, there's 60 working hours in the week or whatever, and the work's going to take at least 120 hours. There's just no physical way that it's going to happen, is to come to the table with a solution. So what I mean by that is to uh, approach that person you've contracted with. So if that's your leader, if that's the customer, whoever it is, and present the realistic projections of how long everything's going to take backed up with evidence. So here's where your track record becomes really key is um, you need to be able to walk into that meeting with a clear picture of all the things you've been asked to do or your organization's been asked to do, uh, the 
a, a really clear projection of how long it's going to take and backed up with evidence. And by evidence, I don't just mean I think it's going to take this long. Uh, using projections of how long things have taken in the past, how long good quality work has taken, what kind of resources, what kind of budgets needed for that. It needs to be backed up with clear numbers and evidence that shows that person you've contracted with that you've done your homework. And then here's where all the pre-work you've done really comes in handy is having those defined outcomes, having done quality work is when you're talking to that person who's leading you and you've contracted with them is to present that to them and say, you know what, as you can see, it's just not possible for us to do all this in the time frame that we have. So uh, here's my suggestion on how I prioritize this. What do you think? So you've come to the table with the problem. You've said, here's how I'm going to prioritize it, as in there are some things that may not happen in this time frame. Is that, you know, am I on the right track here? And then you let them make the final call. Are you putting, you know, your priorities in the right place with the amount of time things are going to take? And that way, you are making a decision together. You've come with the solution. You've taken ownership over the problem, but you've also included them on the decision. And that way, when something doesn't happen, inevitably, because it's you can't do everything, then they are in the game with you. What not to say is to come to a meeting with a leader or someone in your organization and to start that meeting with, my team has too much work and is overwhelmed and underpaid. Every team has too much work and is overwhelmed and underpaid. So that is the language of a complainer. That's not the language of a leader. The language of a leader is coming to the table with here are here are the things we've been asked to do and how we've been asked to serve. Here's the resources we have. Here's the decisions that I'm making to prioritize these resources. Am, uh, are you in line with what we're doing? Great. Let me go forward. So that's the key is coming to the table with solutions. So, and of course, you're also going to have to learn how to say no. We just can't be everything to everybody. If we try to do it, we're going to fail miserably. And this is where boundaries in advance can help. Uh, you know, setting up some of these boundaries, setting up some of these priorities at the beginning of the year, the review period or the budget period, whatever that is, if you can set those up in advance, those boundaries are going to be helpful in then making different decisions. Because if you had six objectives for the year and now you're being asked to do six more and you're up to 12 and it's not possible to do all 12 of those, well, then that's where some boundaries can be helpful of talking about, here's what we contracted to do initially. Um, here's what I can do. Here's what's not going to work with the resources that I have. And you know what? That might be the time you get more resources. So there's a lot of different ways that you can move forward there, but you have to also be able to be willing to say no and to learn how to say no when it's appropriate. Now, it doesn't mean you say no just to the things you don't want to do. It means you say no with the benefit of helping the organization. Because if you're tasked with 12 objectives and there's no way you're going to do it and the organization's counting on your team to be able to execute on all 12 of those, ultimately, people are going to be disappointed. So the responsible leader takes the opportunity up front to proactively handle that situation and have meaningful and realistic dialogue with the people leading them about what can be done, what can't, and here's the resources that I need. And if I can't do it all, here's the things I'm going to have to say no to. So trust your first reaction on things. If you see things that you can't put resources behind, um, you know, be 
be bold and be confident about being willing to engage in conversations with leadership. And, and that's something that all of us are called upon to do. And you don't, and particularly when requests uh, come to you that are things that are outside of your job responsibilities, just in your personal life, you know, one of the things that I found over the years is saying no can be really, really helpful. And, you know, and, and if you're outside of the professional world uh, and capacity, you you don't even have to give reasons <laughs> for why you're saying no. Uh, one of my favorite phrases is I've got a full calendar of commitments at the moment and I need to say no right now. And, you know, we don't always have to give an explanation. Now, if it's in the workplace, of course, you know, often it's 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 appropriate and expected that there would be an explanation as if as is to why you're saying no. So that's where evidence and data comes into play. But that's key of being able to learn how to say no and to teach the people that you lead how to say no as well. So let's look at these areas again briefly here, but let's now look at this through the lens of, you know, I've been talking about this through the perspective of how would you um, how would you talk to this to someone who's leading you, but you also want to be able to uh, coach people who you're leading. So figure out, and again, first thing, figure out what you can do exclusively. So coach your team on this, the people that you're leading, figure out what they really do well with their time and talents Get them doing more of that with their time and less of the things that they don't do well and find other people who can do those things well. Um, you know, have defined outcomes. Yes, you want to have that with the person you're leading, but you should also be coaching the people who you're leading to have very defined outcomes with you and a specific time frame for getting there and coaching them on quality work. You know, speed isn't always the most important thing. Yes, speed is important. Quantity of work is important in every organization and hitting deadlines is important, but also there should be that focus on quality work and coach your people too to come to the table with solutions. If you have someone who regularly comes to the table um, to you who you're leading and often they say, well, here's the problems and you know, I just have too much work and I can't do it all, coach them on you know, not continuing, you know, don't continue that meeting with them. Coach them to say, hey, you know, come to the table with solutions. Uh, you know, you figure out what it is that you can do with the resources you have and the game plan you're going to work around that. And then once you figure that out, come back to me and then we'll talk. And then, of course, start to teach your people how to say no and how to not commit to everything. Many of us who are part of this community are high achievers. We like to do a lot. We like to please people. We want to say yes. We can't say yes to everything. Coach your people on that too. So I hope this list has been helpful for you. Um, there's a whole bunch of other things too you probably want to consider and how to get it all done in the midst of chaos. And I'd love to hear from you on not only what's worked on this list, but maybe what you've done on this list that hasn't worked for you in the past or what other things you'd add to it and you'd like our community to know about. So if uh, if that if you can contribute in any of those ways, go onto the website coachingforleaders.com forward slash the number 69, and that will take you to the show notes for this episode. So again, coachingforleaders.com forward slash 69. And you will see at the very bottom there, there's a place where you can add in your comments. You can also call in feedback to our listener hotline. That number is 949-38-LEARN. And of course, email feedback at coachingforleaders.com. I want to say a special thank you because I haven't mentioned for a week or two yet. 
uh, folks who have hopped onto our Facebook page and liked it. Uh, those of you on our Facebook page already have seen that I'm posting regular articles, um, what I'm reading in leadership publications and in the business world, uh, quotes, resources, lots of stuff going up there. And I want to thank a bunch of people who've actually jumped onto the Facebook page and liked it in the last couple of weeks here. So, um, and I am just, you know, I just want to apologize in advance if I mess up anybody's name. And if I've done that on past episodes, uh, I always try to get the names right here, but I'm going to do my best. So uh, first of all, thank you to Kin Kin Dong. Thank you, Carol Skinner, Bo Sorensen, Ted Wazirinak, Juan Manuel Ramirez Beloso. Thank you, Bashar Natarjian. Eric Farnan, Deborah K. Bixler, Matthew Larson, and Steve Osborne. Thank you to all of you for jumping onto the Facebook page. And if you'd like to be a part of our Facebook community as well, you can reach us at coachingforleaders.com forward slash Facebook. And I wanted to just say a very special holiday greeting out to two people out there in our listening community. Uh, a special thank you to Ortega who is listening to us out in Nigeria. And I had a chance to talk to him on the phone the other day and about the work he's doing. And Ortega, I just wanted to say a very special thank you to you for calling from across the world, uh, for listening so diligently and faithfully to this show. And also, I wanted to thank you so much for passing along the show as a resource to your colleagues and your clients. I am so grateful for it, and it's just uh, incredible and amazing to be able to connect with someone across the world that you've never met, but to be a part of this community. And I also wanted to say a very special thank you to um, Bashar, uh, Bashkar, uh, Bashkar, I think is how to say his name, in India, who reached out to me this past week, uh, sent a really nice email. Thanks, uh, Bashkar. And uh, he said that he listens uh, when he's driving to work in India in the morning to this show. And so I suspect you're on the road right now, Bashkar, and I wanted to say thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your very kind message. And to everyone out there in the Coaching for Leaders community, a very special Christmas greeting to you. Uh, this episode's actually airing on Christmas Eve, so Merry Christmas to everyone who's celebrating Christmas out there, and a uh, Happy New Year to everyone in the community. It's an incredible pleasure to be able to come to you each week. I'm so blessed in life to have the time and a few resources to be able to produce this podcast. I'm tremendously excited about 2013 and all the things that are going to be coming our way. There's going to be some new things coming uh, after the first of the year for this show. Lots of good stuff, lots of uh, lots more that I'll be adding on and uh, introducing to the show. And so I'm really excited to share that with you in the coming weeks. But I wanted to let you know that there is not going to be a show next week. That's right. It's uh, Christmas time here uh, and it is the new year. And my uh, family's coming out uh, from Chicago. My parents are uh, out. Uh, they live about 2,000 miles away from where uh, Bonnie and I live here in Southern California. And, uh, you know, we're just going to take some time to enjoy having uh, our little son, Luke, and enjoying the Christmas holiday and the new year. And so there will be no episode next week. So I will see you in the new year in two weeks for the next episode of Coaching for Leaders. And even though we're on vacation, the website is not. So you can hop on the website anytime that you'd like. A reminder that I am publishing a new article every week that comes out midweek between shows. So if you'd like a booster shot midweek on a leadership tool, human relations principle, communication skill, 
go over to our website at coachingforleaders.com forward slash subscribe. And that will get you onto our weekly article update. I send out an article every week, so watch for that. And the link for the show notes for everything from this episode is also on our website, coachingforleaders.com forward slash 69. That will get you everything you need from this episode today. And hey, wherever you are in the world, whether it's driving into work in India, uh, in Nigeria, or maybe in Saskatchewan, whatever's on your agenda today, take one idea from this show to engage and develop someone you lead. Happy New Year, everyone.